All right. If you uh, have your Bibles, if you want to turn, we're going to be reading a couple of different scriptures this morning. But if you want to, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 8. And uh, I want to talk to you about scandal a little bit this morning. A good Christmas theme, if ever there was one. But it does seem like when you open the papers, or I guess we don't buy papers anymore, when you read the news online or whatever, every week, every month, you read about some new public figure who is embroiled in scandal. And scandal is an equal opportunity destroyer. It, it hits all lives and all demographics, all segments of society. Nobody and no segment is exempt from scandal. We certainly, certainly see our share of scandal in politics, right? There's scandals that go on in politics on all levels and in all parties, Republican, Democrat, Independent, anything else out there, scandal. We see uh, scandal in Hollywood with actors, producers, and all kinds of, of just tabloids um, that go on there. Uh, journalists have been fired over scandals. Um, the Olympics have been tainted with scandal over the years. And sadly, churches are not exempt either. The Catholic Church, Protestant churches, scandal is everywhere. It, it's every segment of society encounters scandal. Merriam-Webster defines the word scandal as an action or conduct that offends propriety and disgraces those associated with it. It also says it causes loss or damage to one's reputation or involves malicious or defamatory gossip. One of the words missing from that definition that I think of when I think of scandal is shame. Scandal brings shame. Shame to the person caught in the scandal or exposed in the scandal. And often a sense of shame, undeserved shame, to those who are who family members or are associated in some way with the person caught in scandal. Have you ever been driving along a highway and all of a sudden there's this long backup of cars and you're wondering what happened? Why is this backup here? And uh, so you're waiting, you're waiting, waiting. You wonder if there was an accident or whatever. You finally get to the point of congestion and there's nothing wrong in your lane, but in the other bound lane, there's an accident. And what happens, people slow down to look at the accident. It's called rubbernecking. Everybody wants to get a view of what happened over in the other lane, and so it slows down. We tend to rubberneck when it comes to scandals, too. We do. I mean, we, we all act... Like, it's the most horrible thing. We tisk tisk and we say, oh, you know, that's horrible. And I'm, I'm shocked. I'm scandalized by what I read. But folks, if we're really honest, for many people, maybe most people, maybe all people, there is some weird attraction. We have to slow down and look. We've got to see what is going on in that train wreck of a life. We, we say we don't like it, 
But there's a part of us that's fascinated by scandal. The TV series Scandal, I never watched it, but it ran for seven seasons. So apparently, it was able to churn up enough scandals to keep people interested in it for seven years. The fact is, bad news sells, and scandal is the juiciest of all bad news. So we say we don't like hearing it, but something inside of us perks up when someone says, did you hear about so-and-so? No, I don't want to hear it, but what? This morning, I want to ask a question that might seem a little scandalous to you. The question I want to ask you is, did you hear about Jesus? Did you hear about Jesus? Do we think, oh, I mean, of all the lives, Jesus would be the life that is scandal-free. No scandals. Nothing there. But the truth is, Jesus' life was marked with scandal. The title of this message is, The Christmas Story and the Scandal-Filled Life of Jesus. When God spoke... In the Old Testament, about Jesus coming, he spoke in terms of scandal in Isaiah chapter 8. Here's what he said. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block and rock of offense, and whosoever believes in him shall not be ashamed. The Greek word for stumbling block is scandalon. We get the word scandal from that word. God says Jesus will be a scandalous and an offensive figure when he comes. People will be offended by him. People will whisper against him. People will say, did you hear about Jesus? Now I want to consider four different ways that scandal filled the life of Jesus and swirled around his life. First of all, there was scandal in Jesus' lineage. I love this, but apart from Mary, there are only four women in his lineage who are mentioned by name. And these four women have nothing in common with each other, except one thing. Their lives are marked by scandal. It's the one thing they have in common with each other. Tamar entered into Jesus' lineage by disguising herself as a prostitute and having an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law, Judah. That's how she entered Jesus' lineage. Rahab was a pagan and a prostitute in Jericho. Ruth was a Moabite woman. God told the Israelites, you are to have nothing to do with the Moabites. Don't let them worship with you. Don't let them near you for 10 generations. I mean, just, I don't want them anywhere near you. And yet here is Ruth, the Moabite, mentioned in Jesus' lineage. And Bathsheba, who became David's wife through adultery and murder and cover-up. That's scandal. You could have an entire series, a whole whole season of scandal just based on David and Bathsheba's life alone. 
These are the four women that are mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That cannot be a coincidence that these are the ones God highlights. These are the four women we'd want to leave off of our lineage. And yet God puts them out and mentions them directly. Did you hear about the scandal in Jesus' lineage? His ancestry? Yeah, actually, I did. God put it right there in writing. The second scandal is there was scandal in Jesus' birth. I mean, this is the beautiful time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. And we know the story well. We know the story. How Mary, an angel appeared to Mary and told her that the Holy Spirit, that the child that was conceived in her would be from the Holy Spirit. And how an angel went to Joseph, awoke him in a dream and said, don't fear taking Mary as your wife. Because the child within her is Emmanuel, God with us. He will be Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Don't be afraid. So they knew, they knew the truth behind Mary's pregnancy. But that angel didn't go house to house sharing that with all the neighbors and all the townspeople and everybody in Nazareth. They didn't get that message from Jesus and from the angel. All they knew... And here's what happened. Don't you think? All they know is Mary is found with child before she's married to Joseph. Don't you think people whispered? Don't you think there was gossip? Did you hear about Mary? She's pregnant. She and Joseph aren't even married. Yeah. And I heard it's not even Joseph's baby. Whisper. Did you hear about Jesus? Whispers of Jesus being an illegitimate child, which is a terrible term, by the way. But the whispers of that followed him, no question, all his life. There was scandal in his birth. There was scandal in Jesus' ministry. I've had the privilege of being pastoral ministry for almost 30 years now. So obviously I began pastoring when I was five years old. And, uh, but in those 30 years, I don't believe by the grace of God, <clears throat> I've been involved in even one ministry scandal or non-ministry scandal for that matter. Um, I've said and done dumb things. I've made mistakes. I've shown poor judgment. I have offended people. I have hurt people. You name it, if it's dumb, I've done it. But by the grace of God, I don't believe there's any scandal in those 30 years. And I don't say that arrogantly like, look, you know, scandal could happen to any of us. At any time, we are all sinners. I so agree with James Dobson when he said, um, I just pray I never step on a landmine, speaking of scandal, that would blow up my life, my family, my reputation, my ministry. The landmines are out there, folks. But by the grace of God, 
I've been able to avoid scandal in 30 years of ministry. Jesus was in three short years of ministry, and that ministry was filled, if you lived in that day, with things that some people would have been outraged over and called scandalous. He broke the Sabbath. He dishonored the Sabbath by healing those and feeding people on the Sabbath. That would have been scandalous, and it was to those who said, we're going to obey God's word and keep the Sabbath. He broke the laws of cleanliness when he touched unclean people, like the lepers. When he touched them, he was breaking the laws of cleanliness. He went out of his way to befriend sinners and associate with them, and he went out of his way, it seems, to offend religious leaders. There was a scandalous moment when Jesus was having dinner at a uh, prominent Pharisee's house, and a prostitute came in and began to wipe his feet with her tears and her hair and oil. And the, the good Pharisee thought to himself, if this guy was any kind of a prophet, he'd tell that woman to get away from him so fast. Scandalous. The biggest scandal is that Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to be equal with God. He claimed to be the Son of God. These scandals, and you got to understand, if you lived in those days with their understanding, every one of those things, the Pharisees could have come to you and taught you, here is why, from the Word of God, this is wrong. He is scandalous. That's why God said he will be the scandal on and an offense to many. Finally, there was scandal in Jesus' death. Scandal in his lineage, scandal in his birth, scandal in his ministry. Finally, scandal in Jesus' death. I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter 21. It says this, And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, And he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. Here's why. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. The man who is hung on a tree is cursed by God. Get him off there so it doesn't defile the land by leaving him up there. And the Gospels tell us that as Jesus hung on that cross, that many people walked by reviling him and wagging their heads, which back then was a way of expressing disgust, derision, They saw him hanging on a tree and they knew the words of Deuteronomy that every man who hangs upon a tree is cursed by God. Jesus' death was not characterized by dignity and honor. It was a death filled with scandal and shame. 
And that's why most of the disciples abandoned him as he hung on that cross. It was painful. It was humiliating. It was shameful. As Mary stood and watched her son die on that cross, I'm sure she remembered Simeon's words when he was just a baby. He said that this guy is going to be for the rising and the falling of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your heart. And as she stood there and watched her son die, nearly naked on a cross, there's no question she thought, man, I have a sword piercing my soul, my heart right now. Did you hear about Jesus? Scandal, 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 scandal. And it's what God said it would be. Isaiah chapter 8 again, verse 14. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him shall not be ashamed. That second part of that verse shows us that the scandal of Jesus is going to be a different kind of scandal than what we've ever seen. Look at the results of those who uh, believe in Jesus. They will not be ashamed. Their shame will be removed. Typically, scandal spreads shame to those who are associated with the person caught in scandal. But in Jesus' case, his scandal removes our shame. Those four women in the lineage whose names are specifically mentioned who have scandal in their history, here's what happens. God replaced their shame with honor as chosen to be the very women through whom he would spring his son. God honored them, removing any sense of shame. I believe God puts their names in the lineage for this reason, because he's thinking, those are my girls. Those are my girls. And I am proud of them. And I am proud of their lives. While people whispered about Mary, we see through the Magnificat that Mary's soul was filled not with shame, but with joy and praise to God. In the moment, people might have been whispering shameful things about her. She knew soon people would proclaim she is blessed of all women. The shame that the religious leaders tried to heap on Jesus because they saw him disobeying and violating the law of God, the word of God. What they didn't see is that everything Jesus did, it didn't violate the heart of God. It didn't violate the word of God. It pleased the heart of God. It obeyed God perfectly. When Jesus touched shame, the shame didn't stick to Jesus. Instead, when Jesus touched shame, it removed the shame from the person he touched. And everyone who believes in him will not be ashamed. When he touched the leper, the unclean, the uncleanness didn't stick to Jesus. But the purity of Jesus stuck to the leper. They became clean. When Jesus did things like heal on the Sabbath, 
He was doing the Father's will. He was obeying the Sabbath perfectly. See, the, the, the religious leaders had it completely backwards. They thought that the Sabbath law was judging Jesus. And Jesus said, uh-uh. No, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I judge the Sabbath. It doesn't judge me. The Sabbath bows down to me. I do not bow down to the Sabbath. They couldn't see that. Jesus hung out with sinners because he loved the sinners. He came for sinners. And his heart perfectly reflected the heart of the Father who loves sinners, lost, broken, scandalous sinners. That's the heart of God. It was the religious leaders who looked good on the outside. No scandal there. But Jesus said, inside, there's nothing but scandal. There's nothing but rot. There's nothing but hypocrisy. Their pride that they did it right would be one day replaced with shame. The prostitute who cleaned Jesus' feet with her hair, washed them and oiled them with her hair and with her tears. Jesus said, listen, don't rebuke her. She's, she loves much because she has been forgiven much. And you know what? Whenever this gospel, my gospel, is proclaimed, her name will be remembered. We're remembering her this morning. We are remembering her this morning. Hers was an act of worship and love. And there's never shame in that when it's directed to Jesus. Finally, on the cross, Jesus was cursed by God. He was. Every man who hangs on the cross on a tree is cursed by God. But here's the thing. He was cursed by God in our place. He took our curse upon himself, the curse of our sin. Jesus was never more obedient to God. He was never more pleasing to God than the moment he was cursed and forsaken by God because he was cursed for, with our curse. He was forsaken for our sin and he was never more beautiful in the eyes of his father than at that moment. Jesus took the symbol of curse and shame, the cross, and he turned it into a symbol of love and atonement and redemption and forgiveness. So Christmas is the story of the scandal on. Taking the scandal of our sin upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came as a scandal on, so that all who believe in him will never be ashamed. We believe in Jesus Christ. Our sin, our scandal, our taint, our shame has been removed. This isn't a license for us to go out and sin. When people came in contact with Jesus, they left his presence changed. The woman caught in adultery 
She didn't feel affirmed to go back and continue the adultery. Jesus said to her, go and sin no more. When believers came in touch with Jesus, they left changed. The unclean became clean at the touch of Jesus. Jesus took our sin upon himself and he gave us his Holy Spirit so that we are empowered to say no to sin and yes to God and live obediently to God. Jesus lived a scandal-filled life so that we might live a spirit-filled life. So this is not a carte blanche to go and sin. But rather, we have been freed from sin through our Savior. We have been delivered from the chains of bondage of sin. And we've been given the Holy Spirit to empower us to say no to sin. And when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And when we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The final week of Advent is faith. Let faith arise in our hearts to believe in Jesus, to take that. Maybe you're feeling guilt this morning. Maybe you're feeling condemned this morning. Maybe you're, you're aware of some shame Give that to the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. Get it out in the open. Confess it and bring it to the light to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask Him to forgive you of that sin. Repent of that sin. And He will cleanse you and wash you. Remove the shame. Remove the scandal. And give you fresh freedom. Believe that. That's what Jesus came to do. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, actually every one of us has known scandal in our lives, Lord. We may not be aware of it. Maybe it wouldn't hit the, the newspapers if it was revealed. But we have all disobeyed you. We have all rebelled against God. We have all lived. We live, Lord, sin is so woven into our thoughts and our hearts and our motives and everything, Lord. We have all lived scandalous lives. And we thank you that you didn't abandon us in that. That you sent your son Jesus Christ, Lord. That you gave him to us to remove the scandal. To clean the uncleanness. To purify us, Lord. We look to Jesus. We look to that precious blood that flowed from that tree where you cursed Jesus on our behalf. And we thank you that that blood is powerful enough to cleanse us from all sin. We believe in Jesus. Our scandal on. Our rock of offense. And we believe what your word promises. Whoever believes in him shall not be ashamed. We are not ashamed of our Savior. And we know that on that day when we stand before you, we will not be ashamed because He, He has saved us, cleansed us, and made us new. This Christmas help us to enjoy that in a deep way. 
We ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't Jesus good? He is so good. I hope you have a blessed week. If you're able to make it here, Christmas Eve, 7 p.m., it's going to be one hour long. I know a lot of people have Christmas Eve traditions, but 7 to 8, probably won't even be that long, Um, but it's a beautiful time for us to reflect upon the beauty, the meaning of Jesus and his coming. So God bless. Have a great day. Hope to see you Friday night.